Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry, with overpriced, underperforming products, and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. Ladies and gentlemen, it's bowl season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. What's up, Degenerate Nation? Welcome to the Big Bets on Campus podcast presented by BetMGM. This is the Bowl Betting Preview Part 2. I'm Stucky, and joining me, as always, is Colin Wilson. couple days from Part 1. By the way, if you haven't checked out Part 1, make sure you do. Covered 11 bowls uh, on that podcast all the way through the Boca Raton Bowl. Today we're going to do 10 bowls from December 21st through the 27th, and then we'll have parts three and four coming to you shortly. Make sure you also check out the group of five guys, but Colin, already, I mean, news isn't going to stop. You have, you know, Aiden O'Connell opt out, and it's just going to be a moving needle on all a lot of these games, especially the day of the games, and uh, we're recording this on a Friday morning, it's officially bowl season. So merry bowl season to you. But you know what this podcast is, right? This is the San Diego State podcast. That could not be a happier, more merry time to get Jalen Maiden out on the island. Talk about how we're going to hammer the Aztecs and the over live overs, 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 overs. I can't wait for the Hawaii Bowl on Christmas Eve night. Aztec overs. You're the the San Diego State whisperer. So I'm going to defer to you when we get to that game. And we'll close out with our best bet of these 10 bowls. Let's just jump right into it. We're going to start on Wednesday, December 21st with the RNL Carriers New Orleans Bowl. The New Orleans Bowl. Rich people, poor people, all got dreams. Dreams do come true in New Orleans. Western Kentucky taking on South Alabama. South Alabama was a four and a half point favorite here over under sitting at 56. You know, a lot of interesting news with Western Kentucky. You had Austin Reed go into the portal. He's maybe going to go to Louisville. Then he got a good NIL deal and he came back out of the portal. You would assume he starts here. They did lose one of their receivers. They lost two starting offensive linemen, their center and tackle to the portal. And they're one of their best corners. Whereas South Alabama, I don't think has lost anybody. If you look at South Alabama this year, they did lose. They did win five one possession games, but they lost by one at UCLA and they lost to Troy ten to six. They easily could have won both those games. They would have been undefeated this year, but they did win a number of other close games. Western Kentucky, 
you know, they've kind of faltered down the stretch a bit. And it's it's hard when you look at the both of these teams played overall bottom 10 schedules. If you look at South Alabama, they kind of want to control the ball. Carter Bradley's their quarterback, the Toledo transfer. They really rely on a really good back um, in the Darius Webb. And Western Kentucky's all pass. Just pass, 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 air raid. They're going to throw it as much as anybody. We'll see how much the offensive line injuries cost them. But I do think that their offensive line, offensive numbers overall, a bit inflated. I mean, you play like, you know, they put up 60 on Charlotte. What's up, Club Lit? They, they You know, they put up 73 on FIU early in the season when they were a mess. They played Hawaii early in the season when they were a mess. Austin P. The schedule overall wasn't easy. I mean, it wasn't difficult. The same can be said with South Alabama. I'm also curious just how, like, what is Austin Reed like going into the portal, coming out, like for preparation? And does that disrupt everything? It is worth noting that South Alabama has never won a bowl. And their head coach, I'm a big fan of Kane Womack. He, this is his first bowl, South Alabama's first bowl overall since 2016. West of Kentucky, of course, went to a bowl last year under Tyson Helton and rolled. What do you see here? Yeah, Kane Womack, a name you're going to need to know from the Power Five level. Uh, but really, the South Alabama, the all the success they've had, a lot of it falls on defensive coordinator Corey Batoon, uh, a defense that's top thirty in almost every advanced analytical category. Uh, and then you mentioned Western Kentucky's pass happy. Now that Austin Reed is back out of the portal, that's great news for the Hilltoppers because they had nothing at quarterback. And and you're right. What are the team dynamics from him going in? him coming out did he go fishing and pull up nothing from the portal nobody wanted him who knows uh you know wide receiver David Davis has opted out after getting the second most targets on the team uh and, and he is their leading wide out uh and, and so that's going to be a big miss leading target wide receiver Malachi Corley's playing in a bowl after 123 targets this season he's exclusively from the slot so I expect Western Kentucky to be a little less potent from the outside, forcing them to hit a lot of crossers over the inside. And the issue for Austin Reed might be pass blocking here. He lo- he loses his center, Rus- Rusty Stats, his tackle, his blindside tackle, Gunner Britton. Uh, they're both in the portal. Britton was moved from right tackle to blindside tackle uh, week seven. And South Alabama is 27th in pass rush. But the most pressures and sacks on this defensive line comes from edge Jamie Sheriff, who's going to be lined up directly on the blindside tackle, who's going to have is going to be a brand new person because it's not going to be Gunner Britton. So and stats was really good in pass protection, too. And he obviously handles all of the the calls and the coordination. So it's definitely could be an issue. This is an offense because it's so pass happy. They sputter the closer that they get to the red zone. They're 85th in finishing drives. It's a specialty for South Bama. They're 15th nationally in defensive finishing drives. They have a better strength of schedule by far. Uh, They have a better strength of record by far. So I trust their defense a lot here in this situation. They also have no one as of now opt out. Which And and you would think like, you know, they're playing pretty close to home. Never won a bowl game. So you think, the you know, you would assume that the motivation is going to be there. Yeah, and I, I, I sidebar here, Stuck. I kind of like found out that I'm somehow gravitating towards like first, second year coaches because they haven't been in bowls and they're so motivated to build the program. Like I, I am subliminally keep betting on these guys. But, uh, you know, Carter Bradley is the quarterback for South Alabama here. He finished the season on a roll, 10 TDs, only three INTs over the last three games. They don't really have any kind of run game, and, and Western Kentucky is outside the top 100 in line yards of stuff rate. So the Jags, even though they don't establish the run, they can establish their run. 
and, and Western Kentucky is horrible on defense. I don't know how they got so bad under Tyson Helton when this was such a strong point before. Now they're 110th in tackling. Uh, South one Alabama, other top, we have one other top corner too. And yeah, South Alabama's not great at run blocking, which is their problem. But Webb can break some. He's a pretty talented back. Yeah, I think the only thing hindering me with this bet, which I love South Alabama, I was on the opener of three and a half. I would I would play them at four and a half. They're 129th in penalties, so they can shoot themselves in the foot. So I'm on South Alabama with Austin Reed in this game. I make it three and a half, so I would I would still play it at the number that it's at. If you don't have a wager on it, I kind of suspect that the Austin Reed news will catch some steam from maybe people that are just turning on bowl season. So I would kind of sit and wait till maybe the night before or a few hours before and take South Alabama. Yeah, I like South Alabama as well. I think the Western Kentucky, I think that their offensive numbers are, like I said, inflated based on some of the competition they played early on. Their defense, which won't have one of their top corners, who's in the portal. They they forced 30 turnovers this year. They had 30 takeaways, which I think was second in the nation. South Alabama was pretty good at about taking care of the ball. So as long as they're not, you know, the penalties are a bit of an issue. But, yeah, I think the motivation, the location, some of the players that Western Kentucky lost throwing, you know, Reed potentially just, you know, he wasn't fully in while in the transfer portal. South Alabama also has a coaching coaching advantage here. Yeah, I like the Jaguars. I agree. All right, let's move on to our second bowl of the part two betting preview. Let's go to Thursday, December 22nd, another day with just one bowl game. We're going to the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl. The Armed Forces Bowl. Hey, you maggots understand that? Sir, yes, sir. Bullshit, I can't hear you. Sir, yes, sir. Thursday, December 22nd, 7.30 Eastern on ESPN. Baylor against Air Force over under sitting at 48 and a half. Uh, I played Air Force here. I played them at six. I was waiting for seven. It was never going to come. I think the line is five and a half most ever. Would still play it there. If you've listened to podcasts of ours in the past, I assume that you knew that I was going to play <laughs> Air Force ahead of time before I even played it. Service Academies and Bowls. You go on the Action Labs database, 70% against the spread since 2005. Go all the way back to 1990, 70% against the spread as well. Why? Well, a lot of times these teams aren't, you know, the service guys aren't playing in the college football playoff. They're playing in bowls that some teams might not take seriously. Well, one thing you can count on, a service academy will always be motivated, will always be ready to play. And the other thing here is, like, everyone's like, oh, there's you have more time to prepare for an option, so it favors the team playing a, tr- a service academy in a bowl. That would be maybe true if a team actually spent like 30 full days preparing for the option. That's not what these teams are doing. They're traveling. They take a break. There's exams. And the last thing that anyone wants to do in a meaningless bowl is, number one, prepare for, and then during the bowl, play a triple option. It's just a nightmare. It's like going to the dentist. And that's why a lot of times you see these teams that, you know, Baylor last year was it was in a, a big bowl game. They won the Big 12. They're six and six now. They're playing Air Force. Motivation angle here is Air Force. The other thing is, you look at Baylor's run defense stats, take a look in the trenches, they're vulnerable there. Uh, and I think Air Force can take advantage. This is easy for me. It's Air Force all the way, make this line about a field goal, and then throw in motivation. And I think Air Force wins this game. 
Yeah, I don't have money on this game on the side or the total because I'm in such – I spent a deep dive going through Dave Aranda and his history of defending the triple option because really this whole game comes down to can Baylor defend Hazeek Daniels and Brad Roberts. Aranda's not faced a triple option attack in his three years while he was at Baylor. The last time I could find any kind of remote thing where Aranda prepared for a triple option – was the 2019 LSU National Championship team, their first game out of the gate. They beat Georgia Southern 55-3. to But does that even count? Because you had multiple weeks of, you know, of camp in August to get prepared for that triple option. So Baylor's just 92nd stuff rate. That's one of those primary things that we look at when you go up against a triple option team. They're not filling the A, B, and C gap. Don't think they can keep contain either. Uh, they have one of the lowest numbers nationally in tackles for loss, which kind of surprised me. But that kind of leads to why they fired their defensive coordinator, Ron Roberts. Yeah. Not really a surprise. And I think the one thing that really sticks out in my mind is they got blown out 31 to three by Kansas State. And that was a really hard bet for our podcast to make. Like I was in on Baylor against TCU the following week. I think the spread was like two. Uh, and Aranda came out in the press. He didn't throw his defensive coordinator underneath the bus. But all he could talk about how is our fundamentals are lacking. We are not lined up in the right place. Our communication with the sideline is poor. Some weeks we show up, we look great. Some weeks we show up, we look like a disaster. Dave Rand is like the nicest guy in the world. He will, he wouldn't come out and say that Ron Roberts is not coaching our defense up properly. So where I get a little, where there's like this area, this cloud over this game that I can't handicap is does Aranda get hands-on with his defense, say, I'm not going to go in these 13 different schemes that he has where it's like, a, you know, it's like a two, four, five. It's like a one, seven, five. Like, I mean, he, or whatever, you know, he's, he's got so many different variations of how he lines up his front seven. Does he chuck all that out and say, we're going to go four, three, which he's a three, four guy. Like it, there's just everything, the puzzle piece for what Aranda does, doesn't fit. To, to defend the triple option and can he get that done in the middle of recruiting uh it just doesn't seem likely now on the other side of the ball uh Baylor's all freshman everything Richard Reese he's got 14 TDs on the season he did not have a single fumble on the year uh and so that's going to be you know big for them it's really going to be their only offense because you don't know what you're going to get with Blake Shapin uh you know his big time throws and turnover worthy plays they're both down from his freshman season he's not making as many good throws he's not making as many mistakes uh, but he's looked horrific in a few games this season. I wouldn't be surprised if Baylor's out on the portal looking for somebody else for this offseason. Um, and, and, you know, we knew that their weapons, Baylor's weapons, have been a problem all season. We knew coming in, one of the reasons we took an under on their season win total is because they were completely depleted outside of the tackle box, right? Everybody a wide receiver, everybody, you know, that was a target for Blake Shapin was gone. So I make the game at five and a half. I can't go against you saying you're taking Air Force, I just don't have enough information to give anybody support on betting on Baylor. Yeah, the other thing is that the Baylor passing attack was is you know the way that Chapin plays and the weapons are are limited. He needs time, and Air Force is can get after the quarterback. I think top twenty five in sack rate, so that's another factor. But yeah, this is just service academy. Let's show value in the line. Blind, just almost a blind automatic play for me. It's worth um, noting that Air Force's offense really, maybe it's style, maybe it's the Mountain West Conference, but there just was not a lot of points coming down the stretch. 13 against uh, San Diego State, 13 against Army, 14 against Boise, 24 against Colorado State. Those are four of the last five weeks that they played. None of those defenses are world beaters there. I, I know Army's a rock fight always, so you can throw that out, but 
only 24 against Colorado State's defense. I, I it, it just seemed like down the stretch they ran out a little bit of esteem. Maybe that plays into the under, uh, but, you know, all you need to do is get within five and a half, though. <laughs> yeah, but their defense played really well down the stretch. Yeah. I mean, and their defense has been really good all year. And then San Diego State, for what it's worth, I mean, they, they closed the year winning at San Diego State 13-3. to San Diego State has a really good defensive line and always does a good job against the triple option. So, yeah, give me the Falcons here. All right, let's move on to our next bowl game. We're going to go to Friday, December 23rd. Let's start off with Louisiana against Houston in the Radiance Technologies Independence Bowl. The Independence Bowl. I-N-D-E-P-E-N-D-E-N-T. Do you know what that means, man? This is Friday, December 23rd, 3 p.m. Eastern on ESPN. Houston, it's not like a seven-point favorite, over under 57 and a half. Big news here is, well, Louisiana's quarterback, Ben Rorge, he's out for the year. So Chandler Fields, who started the regular season finale, will start. But these uh, Louisiana finished 6-6. Six and six. Houston finished 7-5. and five. The big news for Houston is that Tank Dill, who's going to be an NFL receiver, one of the best in the country. He said he's going to play. He wants to finish restarting, which means you could assume, I think, that Clayton Toon is going to play, who's probably going to get drafted a quarterback as well. The Houston offense has an electric passing attack, but the Louisiana defense has a pretty good secondary. And on the other side, you know, you can really attack Houston through the air. Will Louisiana be able to do that? I'm not sure. I'll curious to get your thoughts on that. I think I saw you play the over here. It is also worth noting that Dana Holgerson has not been great in bowl games. Part of that is like the air raid. Does it lose some of its, uh, its rhythm, um, which we've talked about before with some of the air raid offenses in bowl games? Break this one down. What do you see here? I took Louisiana in this game off just right off the bat. Uh, and mostly I was watching Dana Holgerson's presser about getting this bowl. It was just like – it was the same thing that I heard out of Red Lashley at SMU. It's like we we have no uh, not a lot of interest in going to Shreveport. Uh, it's well, not it's a, a team that coming into the year they thought they had a shot at like a New Year's Six Bowl, and they definitely had a disappointing year. So, there is certainly Dana, a question. Dana's already thinking about twenty twenty three. Dana is not thinking about this game whatsoever. Uh, he is one of the worst bowl coaches out there. He's covered two of the nine bowls that he's been in. He made repeated comments about where the priorities are for him, for him and for this game. This game falls way down his list of things to do when it comes to Texas high school recruits and transfer portal. And Shreveport's just not a big area of recruiting for Houston uh, when it comes from a football perspective. There's no word. I, I I have a hard time like hearing that Tank Dell has is declaring for the draft he's going to play in this game. Uh, Clayton Toon is in the same boat, right? And I would not be surprised if they opted out. Now, they have not opted out. We're recording this, what, six, seven, eight days in advance, whatever, right? I wouldn't be surprised if it's announced right before, but uh, there hasn't, they're not going to fill all of their uh, practice, uh, their, their number of practices that they get. I think it's 15. They're not going to fill all of that. And uh, they're not going to be very prepared coming into this game. Now, on the Louisiana side, it's a completely different story, right? Chandler Fields is a quarterback once again. He was hurt earlier in the season. Ben Woldrich took over. Then he was knocked out, and Fields got starting duties again. Modest numbers in the last two games, uh, a 3-1 to T to INT ratio, four turnover-worthy plays. 
over 20 yards scrambling in each game. So he can move just a little bit, but you know, the, you know, the name to watch in this game is uh, you know, Michael Jefferson, he's not there for them. He has uh, he's preparing for the NFL draft. Uh, He was 2.7 yards per route run, uh, seven TDs on the season. So, you know, the pass defense, which is poor for Houston, Louisiana really could have used Jefferson, but they do have other options here. Houston saving grace on defense is their top ranking in pass rush. That's it. The rest of the defense is, is, is terrible. Uh, and, and, you know, fields was really good in 43 passing attempts with pressure this year, three TDs, only one turnover worthy play. He never had an interception. Woolridge was the worst, actually the worst quarterback in the nation under pressure. So this, yeah. that could actually yeah. benefit so this, Louisiana here. This could be a boost. Houston's 125th in penalties. They're 116th in third downs. They're 113th in tackling. Those three things are really important to me in bowl games. I think this is upset city all the way. Uh, Louisiana is going to feel like they're playing at home, playing in the Independence Bowl is a really big deal for them. Uh, and they are just a more stable unit. And they're the team that wants to be there. And, who <laughs> you know, it's first-year coach. I'm back in a first-year coach again. But Dana Holgerson's proved that he just doesn't care about bowls. Yeah, laying seven with the Holgerson, this, this Houston team is a scary proposition. Yeah, I actually also would look at the under. I know, but Houston unders are, are petrifying. But Houston's... Their past D is so bad. They lost some. They lost some pros from last year's team, and then they had injuries. And their secondary was shredded routinely throughout the season. But Louisiana's passing offense is not great. Like I said, you're missing Jefferson on the other side of the ball. Houston just throws it. Louisiana's secondary is one of the best at the Group of Five level, so I think they can match up there. And then you, like you said, there's the well, also any of the fact that like air raids and bowl games, they're a little rusty. And then there's a chance that yeah, Dell. Maybe he doesn't either opts out or he doesn't play the full game, right? He was dealing with some injuries down the stretch, coming out for uh, snaps here and there. Maybe Tune ends up opting out. So, in what world does Tank Dell need a need a, a Independence Bowl highlight reel to help his NFL draft stock? None. So, yeah. I'm shocked that he said he's going to play. All right, let's stay on Friday, December 23rd. We have two bowls on Friday. The Second one is in prime time, 6.30 Eastern on ESPN. Wake Forest against Missouri. This is the Union Home Mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. The Gasparilla Bowl. Uh, Wake Forest is a, this game's been floating around one to one. Wake Forest is a one point favorite here, over under 60 and a half. The big news here is, well, let's start. Wake Forest has a couple. They lost their top corner. Is in the transfer portal. Their starting safety has been hurt, missed the last three games. It looks like Sam Hartman, A.T. Perry are going to play. And on the Missouri side, they're missing their best receiver, Lovett, who hit the transfer portal. He's going to be a good get for somebody. And on defense, and Missouri's defense was excellent all year, they lose their two defensive ends who declared for the NFL draft. They declared for the NFL draft or hit the portal. Pro teams have millions to spend, and they don't always spend them wisely. But when it comes to a great shave, you don't have to shell out tons of cash. Harry's saw customers getting ripped off by the shaving industry with overpriced, underperforming products and decided to do something better. They found their own way to make beautifully designed razors for a fraction of the price of the other big brands, so you never wonder if you overpaid. Harry's shaving products look great, and the weighted handle makes shaving feel great, too. I like to keep my beard neat, and Harry's always leaves me with a smooth yet crisp shave. Harry's quality is top-notch, 
thanks to German-engineered blades made in their own factory that stay sharp longer. You can get a five-blade razor, weighted handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover for just three bucks at harrys.com slash bluewire. And Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry, plus a convenient subscription option that you can cancel at any time. Getting the best doesn't mean spending the most when you shave with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash bluewire. That's harrys.com slash bluewire for a $3 trial set. I think they might have, I think they might have declared the NFL draft. One was our first team all SEC and the other really came on the second half of the year and they were a huge part of that defense. And then also they lose their uh, Martez manual plays like the star position, the safety who was really good as well. So that's three key pieces on the defense and their best receiver. So without those two defensive ends, can Missouri mess up the mesh point? Uh, the Missouri's defense was great all year. Wake Forest defense was pretty good against the run, extremely vulnerable against the pass. Can Missouri, which offense was limited this year, take advantage uh, without love it, but against the secondary that's missing some pieces in Wake? Really interesting game here. What do you see? Yeah, Eli Drinkwitz uh, gave up offensive play calling the last three games to his quarterback coach, and the results showed in Brady Cook. He had seven of his 13 TDs come in the last three games. Uh, but the problem is he loses his most explosive wide receiver, as you mentioned. Uh, you know, he was targeted 10 times by Cook in the final game against Arkansas. So, I mean, that's just a huge piece to lose there. Uh, Lovett was exclusively in the slot. You expect Barrett Bannister will take over all those routes, and he was shy of two yards per route run, which is really the definition of what an explosive wide receiver is. And I think the issues just are going to continue to persist with havoc allowed on the Tigers' offense. 91 tackles for loss allowed. That's There's only 12 teams in FBS that are worse than that. Uh, Missouri lets everybody uh, lay through those A, B, and C gaps and, and, and get hands on Brady Cook. Uh, bad luck and fumbles this year. 12 coughed up. 10 were lost. Uh, you know, so there's not really a, uh, any kind of, uh, you know, awareness of when the ball is on the carpet. And Wake Forest thrives in pass rush. Second in the nation. 30th in Havoc. And the high Havoc ranking, uh, ranking comes from forced fumbles and PBUs. So Cook is, you know, I'm glad Cook had this feel-good story down the stretch, loses his best weapon, and he's got a defense that's going to be on top of him here. And you you talked about the mesh RPO. Can Missouri defend that? Losing Isaiah McGuire, which all those guys you mentioned, they opted out for the NFL draft. Uh, that's just such a huge Huge missing piece for them. No one generated more pressure than McGuire. Linebacker DJ Coleman was third on the team in pressures, second in sacks. He's gone. And there's just way too many contributors here that are going to be missing from this Missouri defense that kind of kept them close in a lot of their games. You know, they kind of surprised us a lot here. Now, who is practicing for a bowl? Wide receiver A.T. Perry for Wake Forest. Uh, I was a little shocked by that, but he is in this game, and that's the biggest, you know, explosive weapon for Sam Hartman here. And Wake is one of the best teams nationally in scoring position. They average 4.8 points every time they get past the 40-yard line, uh, you know. And also, you want to put some narrative in this or you want to put some motivation in this. Clawson came out and said, we are super excited that we get an SEC team. We didn't care where we went. We just wanted an SEC team. So this Wake Forest team is like, they're running with the ACC flag. I know that we are completely fading the ACC and all of their bowls, but this is the only one where they're specifically calling out the, the SEC and saying we are motivated to beat the SEC and Missouri's down a bunch of players. Give me the Demon Deacons here. 
Yeah, Sam Hartman's last hurrah. As long as he doesn't have one of his games, you know, he has those games every once in a while where he just like turns it over five times. But a lot of times that's like against a team that's blowing up the mesh. And I think without Coleman and McGuire, who were excellent all year. And then I think that they impacted their pass defense numbers as well because they were able to get such great pressure. They're also good against the run. So, yes, yeah, uh, oh. I think Clawson's four and two against the spread and bowls. Um, and look, they go, for, I think they'll be motivated to it. So, like, the, the fact that Hartman and Perry are playing, and last year they played like Rutgers in a bowl, like at the last second, like, like this is a, a real bowl for them. Also, uh, it's been it, it's been said multiple times that Hartman needs one more passing touchdown to be the all-time ACC leader, surpassing Taj Boyd. I'm sure a prop, if you can find it on Hartman's passing touchdowns, over one is going to be, you know, c- considerably juiced. But that's all that they've talked about. So Hartman, two TDs, three TDs, we'll see. But he's breaking a record here for the ACC. All right. Yep. An agreeance there on the Demon Deeks. Let's move on to Saturday, Christmas Eve. One game, there's NFL games on Saturday. And then at prime time, we have Middle Tennessee, my old nemesis, <laughs> taking on San Diego State in the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl. The Hawaii Bowl. What the fuck's Easy Post? <laughs> That's like shipping shit. How to ship fragile items? I guess, uh, yeah, it's a shipping. Uh, the Easy Post Hawaii Bowl, San Diego State is a seven-point favorite. This, this line, I think they opened like a three-point underdog. They Over did. under 49 and a half. You are the San Diego State whisperer, and you started nailing their totals ever since Maiden converted from safety to quarterback. He was their most dynamic quarterback by far. This middle, middle Tennessee secondary is vulnerable. And this San Diego State, look, they're going to be going up against an air raid offense in middle Tennessee, they are going to throw the ball a lot. And the San Diego state defense was down this year because of the secondary. They lost a lot of key guys and they were uh, vulnerable in the back end, still really good against the run. You got an all American up front divide, but they, you can get some yards on them. Unlike years past through the air, which might be good news for San Diego state. What do you see here? I assume based on what you said earlier, in the show in the lead and it, it's over San Diego state overs to close out the year one last time. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I'm, I'm going to be cracking a 1989 Glen Morangi grand vintage and uh, enjoying my Christmas Eve scotch, enjoying uh, a bunch of tickets that I have on San Diego state and Brady Hoke. I, I trust in him going to the Island. He was just there last year. They beat Hawaii 17 to 10 in this stadium. Uh, he knows what a business trip is here. When you look at Rick Stockstill, the last time he was on the island was in this very bowl, and he got blown out, uh, I think, 2016. So, you know, I just – you can't look at the overall offensive numbers for San Diego State on the season because Jeff Heklinski was fired midseason. Jeff Horton took over the running backs coach. Jeff Horton took over as offensive coordinator. He made the switch at quarterback to Jalen Maiden, and it's just been gangbusters since. Vertical and explosive. Yeah, vertical and explosive. And so what's funny is they actually changed the playbook for Maiden. They shortened the crossing routes, quarterback zone read, and they told him, you have a free pass to take off. He ends the season with over 300 rushing yards, 174 of those on scrambles. He's responsible for 17 first downs off running. So if Jalen Maiden is not feeling it about what he sees downfield or in the crossing routes, he's going to take off. And that's just going to be a problem for Middle Tennessee. They have one of the worst numbers in defensive passing down success rate, meaning Maiden is going to get outside the tackles. He's going to make a lot of magic happen here. 
this middle Tennessee offense is all about Chase Cunningham and his lack of protection. It's been a problem all season, 120th in pass blocking. A third of all passing attempts have had pressure, hands in his face. Uh, the running game and, and finishing drives are both outside the top 100 for the Blue Raiders. And even the explosive numbers from, you know, from the pass is 94th, middle was 93rd and red zone efficiency. It's just, it's bad all over the, all over the offense. Can't protect, can't score, can't be efficient in moving the ball. And San Diego State continues to be a great defense under Brady Hoke. Top 30 in eliminating explosives, 12th in defensive finishing drives. There's just not an analytical path to middle Tennessee getting points on the board and the numbers inflated. Now it, it's completely oversold. You're right. I mean, I was like hitting submit on the opener and getting denied finally got like a plus one plus two in and minus three. And now we're all the way up at a, at a huge number, but I can't go and say that middle Tennessee is going to cover this. So the numbers inflated from the side and the over perspective. But then again, I don't see anything from middle Tennessee that would keep me from playing the Aztecs and playing the over on Christmas Eve. Yeah. I actually think middle Tennessee will get some, Get get some through the air, which you'll you'll need to get the over. I think that they can have some success through the air. This isn't the same quality of San Diego State defense because of some of the deficiencies on the back end. And if you look at San Diego State this year, what you have to remember is and look, their past defense numbers are way down. You know, they do limit explosives. They're great, like you said, in finishing drives. But hey, you look who they played. I mean, you got to remember that first game of the year, Arizona shredded them. Uh, put up 38. Then they played Idaho State. Uh, they get shredded by Utah. They played Toledo in that Toledo game. Finn gets hurt late, but he threw for you know 250 yards against them. They played Boise. They gave up 35. You know, then they play Hawaii, uh, Nevada, two just you know poverty offenses. They play Fresno with Hayner. Hayner, they give up 32. These are numbers that aren't you're not used to seeing San Diego State give up that much and their defense started to improve a little bit down the stretch, but it's like San Jose state who put up 27 new Mexico air force. So I actually think middle Tennessee will contribute enough. Uh, I actually might be joining you on the San Diego state Christmas Eve over hopefully an early Christmas present. All right, let's move on to uh, nothing on nothing on Christmas day on Sunday. We'll have NFL there uh, Monday, December 26th, one bowl. This is the, Gross Bowl. I don't even know what to call this. It's officially <laughs> called the Quick Lane Bowl. The Quick Lane Bowl. Between six and six, New Mexico State and six and six, Bowling Green. Uh, as bad as it gets is for teams in a bowl game. New Mexico State, out of nowhere, got a bowl. They petitioned to get an extra game against Valparaiso after they beat Liberty forty nine to fourteen. Then they put up sixty five on Valpo to get bowl eligible. I didn't even know Valpo yeah. had a football team insane this is the team early in the year i mean they lost to nevada at home and they got just blasted by minnesota lost to utep blasted by wisconsin you know, and they beat hawaii here are their wins they, they then they lose at home to fiu by 14 but here are their wins you know they beat new mexico hawaii umass lamar liberty and valparaiso i don't know why they were able to count two their the waiver they actually got approved i guess they counted they have two fcs wins two of their wins are against lamar and Valparaiso and UMass is basically an FCS team. Same with New Mexico and Hawaii this year. Like they had that Liberty win. That was it. But then if you look at Bowling Green, I talked about, I think the Mac is down. And by the way, by the way, Bowling Green's three and a half point favorite here over under sitting at 48. 
Bowling Greens wins this year. They beat Toledo in a miracle when Toledo was just didn't care and didn't need to win. They beat a poverty Western Michigan team 13-9. They beat Central Michigan, Miami of Ohio. All these are, you know, a lot of these are one possession. They beat Akron by three, beat Marshall by three in overtime. They lost to Eastern Kentucky at home. I mean, this team stinks. Both these offenses stink. The strength of the New Mexico State defense is their, you know, their safeties, their defense is playing defense is way ahead of the offense still. I don't trust the Bowling Green offense. I'm tempted. I imagine New Mexico State filing waivers to to get extra games to go to the bowl. This is like huge for them. But I guess it's maybe pretty important for Bowling Green as well. I'm tempted by the three and a half on New Mexico State, to be honest. Yeah, but this game is horrendous. What do you see? There's only one play in this game. I made it on the open. That was an under. New Mexico State gets the upset of Liberty late in the season to get, to get bowl eligible. And now Jerry kill, like I, you could tell the level of enthusiasm, like yeah, we made a bowl. Oh boy. Detroit. Like he's like, we're going to have to do everything we can to get our fans to get to Detroit, which if you're in New Mexico, I don't know why you're trying to fly to Detroit. Right. It's I oh, don't Christmas, think the day after Christmas. Yeah. I don't think that's what they were pulling for. I think they wanted New Mexico bowl, Arizona bowl. They definitely wanted to stay in the Southwest. They didn't get it. And so, you know, I think there's a lot of Jerry kill, not just getting ready for this game, but he's got to get his fan base fired up to buy some tickets to fly there. So kill is only covered one bowl. Quick game. Lane bowl. Actually, actually, sorry. Quick. I'm gonna call it the quick lame bowl. This is the lamest bowl I've <laughs> ever seen. But go ahead. Uh, kill is only covered one game in his entire career. And he has not, I'm sorry. He's covered one bowl game and he has never won a bowl. Uh, I believe he's been in six of them. He's coached six of them. So definitely some motivation for him to try to get this going. Uh, The Aggies defense spends plenty of time dropping as many players into coverage to eliminate explosive plays. That shows in their numbers. They eliminate explosive, but they also have a pass rush. It's 122nd. More of a rush three, drop eight. You know, they're not trying to send any extra blitzers whatsoever. And for the Aggies to win this game, They've got to be better against the pass because Bowling Green wants to have Matt McDonald throw all the time. Bowling Green does not have a running game. Jason Patterson averaged 4.2 a carry, but he couldn't reach that over his last three games. Uh, he, he looked like he was kind of maybe worn down, maybe fatigue on the season. He ended in the Ohio opener with just seven carries. You know, New Mexico State was top 20 in standard passing downs explosives on, on defense and limiting that. Top 50 in defensive pass EPA. I, I would expect this game to be very low scoring. I projected at 41. I didn't know what this opener was in, in the 50s. Uh, and I know what number we're sitting at. And like, I think, you know, I, I might have wrote this somewhere, but I just don't think this game is getting enough attention. It doesn't have enough tickets. Uh, I think there's going to be major steam on the under. I'm just kind of waiting for that to happen. I don't, maybe people won't look at this bowl until after Christmas, but, uh, you know, I make it 41 and I, I expect. You know, with Bowling Green finishing the season 120th and offensive finishing drives, they struggle to get points on the board, too. So under all the way for me. I mean, if these two teams go over, then fine, take my money. But I got to see it. Yeah, I, I like the under as well, but I I, I might be on. This is a, another – there might be another Mac fade for me now that Bowling Green's got out to a three-and-a-half-point favorite. All right, before we continue, as a reminder, the Big Bets on Campus podcast is proudly presented by BetMGM. So kick off the new pro football season with the king of sports books. Sign up with BetMGM using bonus code ACTION200 and your first wager is risk-free up to $1,000. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Michigan, Mississippi, Nevada, 
New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Puerto Rico, Tennessee, Virginia, Washington, D.C., West Virginia, Wyoming, or Ontario only. Must be 21 years or older to wager, 19 or older in Ontario. New customer offer. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable free bets or site credit. Free bets expire seven days from issuance. Excludes Michigan disassociated persons. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona, 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado, D.C., Kansas, Louisiana, Nevada, Wyoming, or Virginia, 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-800-GAMBLER in Indiana, Maryland, New Jersey, or West Virginia, 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York, call or text the Tennessee Red Line at 800-889-9789 or 1-888-777-9696 in Mississippi. In Ontario, if you have questions or concerns about your gambling or someone close to you, please contact Connects Ontario at 1-866-531-2600 to speak to an advisor free of charge. Sports betting is void in Georgia, Hawaii, Ohio, and Utah, and other states were prohibited. Promotional offers not available in Nevada and New York. All right, let's move on to December 27th. Let's talk another MAC team. Buffalo will take on Georgia Southern in the Camellia Bowl, noon Eastern in Montgomery, Alabama. The Camellia Bowl. Location-wise, obviously, an advantage for Georgia Southern. This is the Kyle Van Treese Revenge Bowl game. The quarterback for Georgia Southern, who has led their air raid offense this year, was the quarterback for Buffalo last year before transferring to Georgia Southern. I've talked at length all year about how I think Buffalo is a fraud. Um, I mean, their wins, they, you know, a miracle win against Miami of Ohio, thanks to a penalty. They beat Bowling Green, UMass, a miraculous comeback against Toledo. And then they beat Akron by one to get bowl eligible at home. This is a team that I was fading down the stretch probably look to fade them here. I want to get three. Um, Georgia Southern is a three and a half point favorite here. Over-unders at 67. Georgia Southern air raid wants to throw the ball as much as anyone in the country. Their defense is really bad, but I'm not a Cole Snyder guy. Still think he has more regression coming his way. And I think Georgia Southern will be able to have success throwing on Buffalo. I think Buffalo, the strength of their defense is against the run. This is a down year for the Buffalo defense. They have some guys in the portal. doesn't look like Georgia Southern does. Um, yeah, I like uh, I like Georgia Southern here. I'm going to wait to see if this ticks down to three. But, yeah, I'm all about fading the MAC this bowl season for the most part. And Buffalo's at the top of that list. What do you see here? I've got a I've got an explicit plan of attack in this game. After five years as Buffalo quarterback Kyle Van Treese, Help Georgia Southern move off the triple option and become a pass first offense. He had 3,900. Really successful year for them, considering what they had uh, their transition. Shocking. I don't think we we could have ever predicted that Clay Helton was coming in and, and they were going to have this kind of offense. Where was this offense out on the West Coast? Uh, Buffalo was much better against the run and not the pass. Uh, 93rd in coverage, dead last in allowing explosives and standard down. So Kyle Van Trees is going to have a lot of success on first, second down. Georgia Southern had three different receivers with 100 targets. Slot receiver Caleb Hood is the most explosive of the bunch, and wideout Derwin Burgess has the most touchdowns at seven on the season. If you go to the other side of the ball, so I expect Georgia Southern to score. If you go to the other side, Buffalo's rushing attack is going to have the same advantages. Mike Washington, Ron Cook Jr., they get a Georgia Southern defense that's 130th in line yards, 127th. Their defense sucks all over. 
Buffalo is going to run all day. The spread is exactly where it should be. The total is higher than projected. I've got it more around in the, the low 60s than the high 60s. But Georgia said the reason why it's in play is Georgia Southern runs at 22 seconds per play. Uh, there's no defensive resistance here. So to me, this is your live betting game of the day. Four games on this uh, Saturday. This is your live betting game of the day. May take, uh, I don't know, I can't talk myself into Buffalo side, but I would start with Buffalo, look for Georgia Southern live. But this is a live trading game. Try to get three on both sides. Try to get four on both sides. But I think you're going to get it in this one. This will be back and forth. I'll be on the Buffalo fade. Uh, at least you wanted to hear from the caller who called in and said with that. There about Buffalo caller was threatening you early in the year. Yeah. Um, Let's move on December on December 27th, Tuesday, by the way, two days after Christmas, we have four bowl games. Let's move on to the Surf Pro First Responder Bowl between Memphis and Utah State. The First Responder Bowl. This game is at 315 Eastern on ESPN. Memphis is a seven-point favorite here over under 61 and a half. This game will be played at Gerald Ford Stadium in Dallas, Texas. I can't really get a good read on Memphis this year. Got a bit unlucky in certain games. Utah State, meanwhile, early in the season, this team was just, they looked horrendous. Uh, lost 35-7 to at home to Weber State, then lose at home to UNLV. And then they kind of figured things out as the year progressed. You know, they did have that awful beat, bad beat against Boise State to close the year, but they found a way to get to six and six seems like a team that was trending up at the end of the year. So I do think that they'll care Memphis. Meanwhile, they didn't have their bowl last year with Hawaii, like pulled out. They were on the plane. There wasn't Memphis on the plane uh-huh. to Hawaii and like the day before Hawaii pulled out. So maybe they'll be motivated in that sense. This is a tough game for me to figure out. What do you got? I, this is Memphis all the way here for me. Ryan Silverfield's first game at Memphis within the 2020 regular season was against Arkansas State. No issues with Blake Anderson here. He won 37 to 24 and a team that I thought was much better than what the Utah State version is now. Calvin Tyler Jr. Uh, declared for the NFL draft. That makes Utah State a one-dimensional offense. Backup Robert Briggs was out the last two games, season-ending shoulder, shoulder surgery. So the next running back on the depth chart is Terrell Vaughn. 12 carries for 75 yards on the season. Uh, Utah State's not going to be, it's not going to be hard to figure out what they're doing offensively. Uh, Cooper Legas arm, uh, you know, uh, nine big time throws, 13 turnover worthy plays. And his final two games against San Jose State and Boise, he only had two big time throws. He had eight turnover worthy plays. He was getting generally worse as the run game kind of uh, eluded Utah State there. Memphis's defense finished 22nd in coverage. So if Utah State, if the only thing they can do is pass, they're throwing into one of the best coverage units graded by PFF. Their top the Tigers are also top 35 in limiting explosives. There's just, like I said, there's there's no real path to see Utah get consistent, Utah State get consistent scores here. And then you have to ask, can the Aggies limit Seth Hennigan and his explosive passing attack? It may be a well-balanced offense, but they are definitely more lethal from throwing the ball. And I would say probably not. Uh, They rank 86th in coverage. They're 123rd against the explosive pass. Massive advantage for Memphis and penalties, third downs, special teams. This is all Tigers all the way back in Ryan Silverfield. Yeah, I got no feel there. I'll dig in a little more. Now, some of these games we're not going to spend as much time on as we will in parts three and four when we'll be closer to the bowl games. These are, you know, 11. These last ones that we're talking about are 12 days out from when we're recording this. So 
you know, could have still some opt-outs. And we'll obviously preview these games on ActionNetwork.com and the Action Network app as we get closer. One I do feel passionate about and did play is our next game, the Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl between Coastal Carolina and East Carolina. The Birmingham Bowl. This game's at 645 Eastern on ESPN, December 27th. Uh, East Carolina is an eight-point favorite over under 62. I love this over. The only thing, and I played this, I played it a little better number. I still like it 62. I think both teams are going to get into the 30s here. You have Grayson McCall who's playing, which signals that, you know, even with the coaching change, Jamie Chadwell leaving, that they care. I mean, Grayson McCall is going to play. I don't know why, but he wants to finish what he started. And on the other side, East Carolina's defense. And, and by the way, McCall, who didn't look great in the Sunbelt Championship, come back from injury, you know, gets a, gets a month to continue to heal that injury, which was supposed to be three to six weeks. This will be like seven to eight. So I expect him to be fully healthy. And I don't think that he'll have any trouble moving the ball against an East Carolina secondary that is bad. And they got worse down the stretch as the season progressed. I mean, they're 121st in passing success rate, 126 in EPA per pass. And they gave up, what did they give up, 45 to Temple in the finale? Defense was fading, banged up a little bit down the stretch. So East and, and Coastal Carolina, when McCall was healthy, was one of the, the best passing offenses in the country. They weren't as good running the ball, and that's ECU's strength. But um, I just expect Coastal to have a ton of success on third downs here through the air with a healthier McCall. On the other side of the ball, the Coastal Carolina pass defense is also horrendous. So I expect Holt Nailers and company to have plenty of success. The pace is my only concern. These teams aren't aren't really fast, but I just think this will be explosive plays all over the place. Quarter good quarterbacks with huge advantages against very bad pass defenses. I love love, love the over here. I think both teams get into the thirties at a minimum. I can't disagree with you on the over. I like East Carolina more here. Uh, I like them to cover the spread. Grayson McCall entered the portal, fetched one of my couple wagers on East Carolina up in the double digits. He's taking visits to Auburn this week to be Hugh Freeze's next quarterback. I hope he goes there. Yeah, I mean, Philip Montgomery is a great quarterback coach. He was uh, RG3's quarterback coach of Baylor, uh, just recently fired from Tulsa. So, I mean, that's a really great situation for Grayson McCall, which if you want to preview next year's SEC pod, if Grayson McCall is at Auburn, that's that's a game changer. But I think the problem that I have with Coastal Carolina here is starting center Willie Lampkin is in the portal. He will not be playing in this game. And that's He's just – Yeah, he was really good. And, and I think ECU center might be out too, though. But Yeah, well, I mean – the, so McCall, we, we need to make sure that he's uh, able, you know, fully recovered because uh, in that Troy game, he was just he's not mobile whatsoever. You can't run the triple option in space, the, you know, the diamond triple option, whatever it is that they want to call it, unless you have a healthy ankle there. And McCall has not had a 10 yard run since week seven against Old Dominion. That is the missing piece that is with this with this Coastal Carolina offense. So we'll see if that's available. But East Carolina had no issues limiting a different version of the triple option to less than three yards per carry when they face Navy in week two. So East Carolina has at least seen some sort of, you know, quarterback pitch contain keeper. They, they they've seen some version of that. If Grayson McCall is able to run this triple option, 
on the other side of the ball, Coastal has to find a way to stop Keaton Mitchell. Uh, I don't think anybody can stop Keaton Mitchell. I had a couple of bets against ECU this year, and Keaton Mitchell made me cry. Uh, three and a half yards after contact, 81 missed tackles created, 29 explosive runs on the season. That's crazy. 29 runs over 15 yards. Uh, Coastal finished 112th defensively against the explosive run, and Edge Josiah Stewart is in the portal along with two other starting corners. I'm I'd be nervous. Yeah, their pass defense is awful too. I don't think they're going to stop. I don't think they're stop Mitchell. I don't think they're also going to stop Ailers and their those receivers. Yeah, I agree. So I, I'm on East Carolina. You know, more that I hear you talk about it, maybe I should be in the East Carolina team total over business instead of the spread. Uh, so we'll, we'll we'll see how it progresses. We get closer to the 27th here, but uh, it, for me, it's ECU, and I, I've got to see Grayson McCall's ankle before I believe it in, in the chance. All right, let's move on to the final bowl game on Tuesday, December 27th. It's the guaranteed rate bowl between Wisconsin and Oklahoma State, 10-15 Eastern. On ESPN, this is the late night game in Phoenix, Arizona. The Guaranteed Rate Bowl. This is the Corpse Bowl. Two absolute corpses. Just, I had no idea what to make of this game. Wisconsin's a three-point favorite, over under 43. Uh, Luke Fickle going to Wisconsin. I I heard they, they wanted Jim Leonard. Maybe the players are mad about that. Mertz is in the... The portal going to Kentucky. Spencer Sanders in the portal with a bunch of other players for Oklahoma State. Herbig for Wisconsin also. They're good linebackers out of this. Uh, there's so many guys that are out. I, Gundy's been really good in bowls. One of yeah. the most profitable against the spread coaches in bowls. Uh, I have – I couldn't make – like if you were put a gun on my head and you said, I'm going to kill your whole family unless you make a convincing case for something in Tibet – in this game, my whole family would be dead. <laughs> Mike, drop, Colin, take the lead. I, I I don't know what to say here. Like, does Mike Gutty just hand over to his son and, like, go crazy? Pretend like we're in the backyard, right? We're in Payne County. We're in our backyard in Stillwater. Just go out there and run around like you did when you were eight years. I don't know. Like, I, And I who's mean, Wisconsin quarterback going to be? Wolf, probably? Yeah, yeah, Wolf. <laughs> Which... You know, um, I, I've also heard that the transition at Wisconsin is not going well with the current players that are on the roster. Uh, there was a lot of love for Jim Leonard there, and it, everything's in transition right now. And the word coming in that Fickle wants to have uh, a fingerprint on the design of this game on both sides of the ball. It's like, I don't know, if I was a player and I signed up for Paul Chris, I would uh, probably not be interested in this game, uh, especially if I was on my way out the door. So the post, and then on the other side of the ball, the post Spencer Sanders there at Oklahoma State, depleted roster, linebacker Mason Cobb, running back Dominic Richardson, not going to be in this game. Uh, There are too many missing pieces here, yet Wisconsin has steamed up to a three and three and a half. It's it's really tough to make heads or tails heel, right? Because the Oklahoma State defense, they were done after halfway through the season. And, you know, they still pulled up one of the worst tackling grades uh, of anybody in college football. So that's going to be there. But Wisconsin's not explosive whatsoever. 90-second rush explosiveness. Like Braylon Allen is on the back of a milk carton right now for missing persons. Um, this bowl is absolutely impossible. And I would say the bet that I would make in situations like this is a first half under. Uh, we're looking at 43 and a half. That's come down a little bit from an opener of 45 and a half. Maybe a first quarter under. I don't. I mean, there's no way that these coaches – and the players and the product that's going to be on the field 
is going, maybe the scripted portion is where they know what they're doing. I, I, I assume after everything breaks down and the defense doesn't know where the changes are, that's when the points will come in. Uh, but I, I would play a first half under in this if I had to play anything. If you had to give me one pick for the family, I'd go with a first half under. All right. Well, your family got saved. Mine didn't. All right. Good stuff there going through all 10 bowls. All right. Make sure you check out part one if you want to hear any. If you're listening to this before the Marshall UConn game, we covered that. And then the two on Tuesday, the potato bowl and the Boca Raton bowl. And then also our group of five guys, as I mentioned before, cover all the games with the any group of five team. We have part three, December 26th. That'll be the military through the Arizona bowl. And then part four, which we'll record on December 27th, it'll be out December 28th. That's the Music City uh, all the way through the end, including the college football playoff. So I can't wait for that episode. And by that time, when we record that December 27th, you know, we'll, we'll have a pretty good idea of everyone who's in or out for those games. And most of those games are, are pretty important and not as big of a concern on game day of surprise opt-outs. All right, but before we get out of here, we just one just one fine one order of business today. No three and out. We're just gonna give our favorite bet for all the bowls that we covered today, all ten. Uh, I'll kick things off. Give me Air Force. It's almost an auto play for me. Service Academy during bowl season. Go back to 2005. Check out Action Labs. Bowl Service Academies in bowls 70. percent I have data back to 1990. Yes. That's what service counties are, 70% against the spread. They're always motivated. You can always count on them to show up in a bowl game, which isn't always the case for every other team. Baylor has major issues in the trenches within its run defense. Air Force's defense was excellent, trending up at the end of the year. They had some injuries earlier in the season. I don't think their defense is being properly accounted for here in the market. And they can give pressure on the quarterback, which is a key against this Baylor offense. Not sure Baylor's going to be that interested in preparing for and or trying to defend the triple option all game. Motivation, matchup, give me Air Force here with the points. Colin, favorite bet out of the uh, 10 we covered? Yeah, I'm going to take the six and a half points with Louisiana. This is a first-year coach who's coming into the industry port and the Independence Bowl, heavily motivated to get it done here against a coach that has consistently shown us that he does not care about bowl season. And Dana Holgerson with Houston only covered two of the nine bowl games that he's been in, and he has already mentioned that recruiting uh, and high school coaching, high, you know, getting in touch with all of the players from a high school level in the state of Texas is got a little bit more importance than what's going on here in the Independence Bowl. Uh, and when you look at the Raging Cajuns roster, the, the switch to Chandler Fields probably is better against this Houston defense. And then on the other side of the ball, are we really sure that Tank Dell at wide receiver is not going to opt out for the NFL and not play in this game? And same thing for quarterback Clayton Toon here. Uh, there is just a huge difference in motivation here, especially with the location of where this bowl is. So look for Louisiana to get it done here. I like it out. I'll take the points. I think they can do it outright against Houston Cougars. Yeah, Air Raids historically struggled in bowl games. And then Louisiana's secondary is the strength of that defense, which is big against the pass-happy Cougs. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in as always. Colin, thanks for joining me. Thanks to our audio and video teams on the back end. It's time for us to go watch some bowls and then continue to stay up to date on the news and try to find some more winners. Make sure you subscribe, unsubscribe, subscribe. Tell a friend, tell an enemy, leave a review. They really help us out. We'll do giveaways. If you have any giveaways, producer, fill them in now. 
Hi, thanks, Duck. Yes, we have a winner. It is OMG HHK. Thank you for your five-star review. Go ahead and email podcasts at actionnetwork.com to claim your prize. And to everyone listening, Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and whether you're betting with your family, betting to escape your family, or if your bowl game bets are your family, we're glad that you could spend a little bit of your holiday time with us here at Big Bets on Campus from the Action Network. Good luck with your bets. We'll see you right back here on Monday for Bowl Season Betting Preview Part 3. Appreciate all of you listening. Let's have a big bowl season. It's the most wonderful time of the year. And remember, if you don't bet on a bowl, does it even exist? Thanks again for tuning in. We'll catch you all later. Cheers. He's out. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time. Oh, the most wonderful time of the year. Action Network reminds you, please gamble responsibly. If you or someone you care about has a gambling problem, help is available 24-7 at 1-800-GAMBLER.